Why, hello there, and welcome to the Urban Health Podcast, keeping busy people healthy with our time-conscious solutions brought together in one place, the Urban Health Method. I'm Stephanie Webster. I'm a nutritional therapist on Harley Street, London, specializing in fat loss, gut health, and hormone optimization therapy for the over 40s. I'm always looking for outstanding doctors and healthcare professionals to interview for my podcast to introduce their expertise to my esteemed clientele. And it's important to me to only work with providers who are at the top of their field, give proactive, caring customer service, and provide amazing value for the financial investment my clients are making. And today is no different. We have Jim Pate on the show. Jim is a senior physiologist at the Centre for Health and Human Performance. Jim, thank you for coming onto the show. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. It's really good to be here. Jim, may I call your clinic CHHP for short? Yes, please do. It is rather a bit of a mouthful. It's fine. So, Jim, when did you join CHHP? What do you do here and why do you love being a part of this amazing team? Well, uh, I I joined this uh, clinic in 2007 when we started it. Uh, That seems like a very long time ago now. Um, But um, essentially my role uh, has always been the uh, laboratory manager here. Uh, Specifically, I specialize in a form of um, heart and lung stress testing and fitness testing called cardiopulmonary exercise testing. Uh, probably uh, one of the best things that I really like about working in my clinic is, um, although I specialize in this uh, type of testing, we have a variety of uh, clinicians who uh, also work within uh, medicine and exercise like physiotherapists, sports doctors, and uh, other medical specialists. Uh, So you get a really nice variety of complementary people who are specialists in their own fields who you can work together with, I would say, is actually uh, probably my most favorite thing. Wonderful. And you've got an amazing team, but you also have uh, a broad variety of clients. Tell us a little bit about the clients that you serve. You've got first-time exercisers, Olympic medalists, and all sorts in between. So tell us about who you serve. Yeah, that's right. Um, So I I would say uh, our clinic itself, we serve everybody from... from, uh, um, uh, you know, cancer sufferers right the way through to uh, Olympic professional athletes. Uh, Really, it's more like, uh, uh, and everybody in between, of course, it's probably about 25% are direct clinical referrals from other um, uh, medical practitioners, uh, at least for for what we do here in the lab. 50% is more like uh, health and wellness uh, or preventative health care, and then 25% is uh, finally like uh, dealing with the athlete population. And you've got some amazing diagnostic equipment here, but also you provide plans thereafter. So once you've done the diagnostic test, afterwards, you actually, you don't just send the client off with the, with the, with the test results. You actually sit down and you go through what the results mean and interpret a plan going forward based on the client's lifestyle, which I find really wonderful. Yeah, well, we, I mean, we understand the, the type of testing that we do here. Uh, we call, like I said, we call it cardiopulmonary exercise testing. It's a, it's a very, uh, it's, it's the best uh, objective measure that we have of your cardiovascular fitness, uh, but also it serves as a great uh, dynamic heart and lung stress test to make sure that everything is okay uh, with your heart and your lungs uh, as we place more demand upon them. Uh, the nature of that, though, is that the information that we get is, is tough to deal with or needs a specialist interpretation. So I, I always think that it's really critical that you uh, indeed support 
um, and uh, try and help uh, the person who uh, is uh, making use of the testing to also make use of the information to try and best get them uh, or give them the best chance that, that they can have uh, to reach uh, whatever their goals may be. Yes, so the CPEX test is actually fantastic. It's a cardiopulmonary exercise testing and it includes a VO2 max. And tell us a little bit about what the VO2 max is and also what the other components of the CPEX test include. Okay, so when we start talking about your cardiovascular fitness, what we really mean is uh, your, uh, sometimes we call that your aerobic fitness. And essentially, that's uh, your body's ability to use oxygen to uh, produce energy for itself so that it can then um, do activity, physical activity or exercise. Okay, so uh, when we do our tests, one of the key things that we measure is uh, your body's rate of oxygen consumption. As we, uh, when we ask people to exercise for us, we increase the intensity and in fact, we let them try and keep increasing their intensity uh, to the maximum amount that they're able to tolerate. Uh, as we're measuring the oxygen consumption at this point, we now have uh, an excellent objective marker of how much uh, work they can do as well as how well their body does what it does to support this. Yeah, and at different heart rates, the body's using different fuels. So Yeah, absolutely. So it goes from... from a resting heart rate all the way up to what are the ranges and what fuel are we using at each range? Well, at lower intensities, what we tend to use uh, is more um, free fatty acids. So you run off your body fat essentially at, at lower intensities. That's good uh, news. Yes, that is good news. <laughs> um, but uh, what happens is that lower intensities tends to be a, a relatively low uh, burn rate, right? Mm -hmm. So for instance, if you don't run your engine very hot, right? It takes a, a longer time to, to get through the fuel tank, right? So uh, what's the best way to empty your fuel tank? Well, you need to um, increase the rate at which your engine runs and you increase your, your um, uh, consumption. But the problem is, is that if you increase your consumption, you also need to change the fuel that you're using a little bit in order to uh, meet the demands uh, that are being placed upon that system. So as we increase our intensity of exercise, what we tend to find is that at certain point, um, you start to um, switch from using fat as your dominant fuel source into using a mixture of carbohydrate and, and fat or sugar and fat, basically. Mm -hmm. As you increase further, eventually you squeeze out all the fat and you just derive your um, energy from sugar because you need it. Uh, the most quick, efficient fuel source that you can because there's a high demand being placed upon you. Um, <clears throat> so, indeed, uh, the intensity of exercise does uh, uh, certainly influence what uh, fuel that you're using. Although, when we're operating aerobically, we're burning everything with oxygen. So, uh, the... The difference is, is actually that you probably need to do a little bit of exercise that will make use of your fat usage system, as well as we also need to try to not neglect uh, the other systems that use your sugars as well, too, because as a human, you're actually meant to be using both of them. Yeah. We're not meant to use just one or the other. So, and as far as impact on the body, I 
I like my clients to do a fasted power walk in the morning for optimum fat burning. Get them warmed up as well too and ready to go for the day. That's a good idea. Yeah, just general activity. Mm -hmm. And your test will actually help them determine at what heart rate they are burning the most fat so they can feel that they're being very efficient when they're doing that morning work. That's right. So we can help them precisely identify. Sometimes they call this the V-fat max or your fat max um, if you do some searching on the internet, you may come across these terms. But essentially, yeah, that's this optimum rate of, uh, of exertion or intensity of exercise, whatever you want to call it. It will be linked to, for instance, a heart rate uh, and a work rate as well, too, if we had you on an exercise bike, which, which is how you, you can do our test here. Um, although, uh, if you're using a treadmill, it's a, it's a speed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also linked to a heart rate as well, too. Uh, you can ensure that you exercise at that optimum intensity where you're going to be um, burning through your fat stores as your primary fuel source. Yeah, so you have your resting heart rate and then you have your VFAT max, is that? Yeah, probably start off at your rest, then then you increase a little bit up and you're getting towards your VFAT max. Once you kind of get past about maybe 60% to your maximum heart rate, then you probably have just about crossed over this point and you started to use a little bit of sugar, which isn't necessarily a bad thing uh, to do sometimes because what you will find is that as you've increased your intensity, it's also going to help to stimulate your body to improve its fitness as well too, uh, which is uh, a key uh, component as well too of a progressive kind of overload system in order to uh, affect long-term change. Absolutely. And then at some point, it goes into sugar only. Yeah, that's right. When you get into the highest intensities, then you're just basically burning through uh, your your sources of carbohydrate or sugar um, that you've got. Uh, So you don't don't, uh, take it away from fat. But the good news is is that you're burning a lot of... Mm -hmm. You're burning a lot. The absolute rate of consumption is actually quite high at these high intensities as well too. So you're making a real dent in terms of your like overall calorie consumption for your day, which you will have to which will be affect the overall system long term in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good. And yeah, you get these nice additional benefits of the fact that you get a bump in fitness or it drives your body to try and adapt and um, become more fit. Uh, this means that you uh, it means needs to make some some changes to itself. So sometimes when you've uh, people now talk about the afterburn of training, and, that's right, or uh, yeah. excess post exercise uh, oxygen consumption, mm-hmm. and uh, this is seen as very beneficial now because actually um, what you've done is 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 usually you stimulate this kind of response through high intensity type exercise, and we see that the rate of oxygen consumption of the individual is elevated what it would normally be post-training. And we think this is because now your body is going through the adaptive process to try and help you recover and restructure and adapt so that it's fitter and stronger the next time it gets that. So um, you tend to burn a little bit more fat just as you're resting and recovering as part of this. The other good thing is that this epoch is occurring during a period of rest. So it tends to be fat as your primary fuel source that you'll be relying off of when you're seeing this post-exercise excess oxygen consumption. 
Um, <clears throat> so that's why I say the intensity is good to see sometimes because you get a, a really high uh, amount of, uh, of caloric burn in a short period of time and then it drives you into this nice adaptive process which then also has this enhanced uh, effect of burning away the body fat in the off time as well too. And uh, then when you just help uh, uh, enhance that a little bit more with a little bit of, you know, kind of recovery, uh, steady state uh, exercise at these kind of intensities, then you, you, you see that you really start to try and make use of or make, take advantage of the way that our body works in order to get it to, to go into the goals that we want it to, mm -hmm. to go to. Yeah, so I've got different types of clients who would find this a very interesting uh, podcast because if I've got somebody who's got over 50% of body fat to lose, they're unmotivated, mm -hmm. the idea of uh, movement at all is, is a struggle, let alone working out intensity. The good news is it doesn't take much of an increase in your heart rate in order to start burning fat, which is great if you don't want to work or you can't medically work at high intensity, uh, maybe because you're mm -hmm. injured or, or uh, uh, you've got a, a stress response that we're trying to avoid in your blood reports. And the other good news is if you're working at high intensity and you get injured and you'll, you just have to resort to low intensity now, uh, at least you're still being you're being uh, optimal in your training, no matter what heart rate it is. So um, it's just good to know at what stage you are in your fitness journey and know what to apply when. So your body is in the condition that it's in due to a series of decisions, health decisions that you have made. And it's important to make better decisions going forward by being educated, informed and getting the right diagnosis for your current phase in your fitness journey. And if you're experiencing a lot of stress at work, maybe high intensity isn't for you. If you've got uh, certain medications, maybe high intensity isn't for you. You've got to pick your days, right? You, you, you've got to pick your days. You've got to pick your days you're, based on your body, your injury, your age, your, your outlook and, and everything. That's why a personalized approach is so key. So, sorry, I interrupted you. No, that's, that's quite all right. You, that's a great point, actually. You've got to pick your days. You can't... Um, uh, life is always going to... You know, even when we work with, with um, people who are not novice exercisers, we still have to take into the fact that a lot of them still have jobs. They have why They have families. They have... They have know, heels exactly. to work in. That's right, indeed. And so, you know... Uh, you have to come up with, with um, you know, we can do all of the testing and fancy testing and stuff like that we want, but unless we can translate that into a, a plan of action or a, a structure that is uh, achievable and applicable to someone, then we don't have, we, we are decreasing our likelihood of successfully reaching the goal that we we want to. Yeah. I have found high intensity has been brilliant to break through a plateau that's been stubborn. Sure. That's, that's the best. That is probably, and, that, and that's what we're trying to do. We, we, what we try and do is we introduce uh, intensity to try and get us up to the next level, yeah. right? Then once we've kind of given ourselves that stimulus to improve, what we actually want to do is, is recover a little bit because we've pushed ourselves hard. Yeah. So we recover then a little bit regroup ourselves, allow all of those changes to kind of take shape, and then we can think about going and trying to push the intensity again. So, yeah, it's definitely like this punctuated, it's not, you shouldn't be, you, you know, if you're going at high intensity all of the time with your exercise, 
with your life, with everything, ultimately what we're going to find is that uh, the overall system is going to just be progressively worn down and fatigued, and we'll see actually performance decline. So we won't. The quality of everything is go, the exercise included is going to be le uh, less yeah. as a result of this. And when we when this happens to athletes, uh, we call it overtraining. Mm -hmm. um, because what you what you have is athletes who um, are so motivated that they uh, subject themselves to really high volume, high intensity, and in the short term, it can stimulate your body to make big changes and improvements to your fitness. But if you do that chronically or over long periods of time without adequate rest and recovery then ultimately becomes detrimental and they start to fall apart, which is why kind of like at the end of the season, you will see athletes having accumulated injuries and everything is kind of weighing on them. But it's, the same thing happens to everybody else as well. And so we, we can learn from sport and exercise um, uh, science and apply those uh, methodologies to everybody else. We just need to shift the scale down and tools like CPAT or cardiopulmonary exercise testing allow us to uh, make that shift so that we have the numbers that we need in order to make sure that whatever we are doing is appropriate as well as effective for the individual. Yeah, absolutely. And it's about understanding what this is serving. So the CPAC is going to give you your optimum fat burning heart rate, which is very useful for what we do on our program. It's going to give you a whole bunch of information as well on your your cardiac output, which I think we should measure every three to four months just to see the improvement of your overall health. Aesthetics is one thing, but your health is really where my heart is at and why I designed this program. So having these health goals is actually very motivating for when the weight is being stubborn for some reason. It's nice to see, well, how's my aesthetic coming along? How's my health coming along? How's my performance coming along? Do you know what? I haven't lost any fat this week, but my strength, I've gone from 20 kilo dumbbells to 25 kilo dumbbells. That's impressive. It's important to see yourself as a whole, as a, as a multidimensional functional human being with a beautiful body that's just been designed for great things and to invest in it in every sphere and to see the progress across the board and don't be superficial and just go for the abs alone you are so much more than just one piece of the anatomy well literally <laughs> <So> <laughs> gosh um never mind um so yeah and the other thing i like is sometimes if you get clients who have what they term to be addictive personalities. And they go from being addicted to sugar to addicted to exercise. And they're running, running, running. And they're not paying attention to the nutrition. So they're not eating enough protein and they're not mm. lifting enough weights. Yeah. So they're losing fat and muscle, which yeah. I find deeply unacceptable and offensive. So <laughs> it's important to understand you need to lift the weights to give the muscle a reason to stay there. Yeah. Eat enough dietary protein so that if your heart rate does increase and you start to go into the sugar zone that was mentioned earlier, that your body does not eat into its own protein sources, i.e. sacrificing muscle tissue, in order to make up the, the uh, caloric deficit um, requirements. Mm, yeah. So eating enough dietary protein, which we discussed together, and uh, yeah. lifting 
the uh, lifting the, the weights to make sure the muscle uh, has enough reason to stay there in anaerobic activity. And this CPAC is fantastic for aerobic activity. Let's, let's figure out what your optimum fat burning zone is at low intensity and let's figure out what your maximum capacity is at high intensity and let's try to edge that up further. I think it's very exciting to discover this about your body. Absolutely. And uh, the other thing about high intensity, when they... When someone who's got an addictive personality switches from, let's say, sugar to addicted to exercise and they start doing high-intensity boxing, yeah. Barry's boot camp, these, these high-intensity places, they burn out quickly because yeah. we're taking someone who's a non-athlete yeah. doing fairly athletic things yeah. and they get injured. And yeah. Do you see that a lot? So we do. Uh, and um, we do see um, in injuries the thing that I'm most primarily concerned with when I start working with somebody who maybe hasn't exercised in a while. Um, you know, when you were younger, you had all of, you did all this activity all of the time. So your body was in what we call condition and it was used to your joints and your bones and your muscles and uh, the connective tissues were all used to being loaded and impacted. But as we've kind of become less active over our lives, you, you actually lose this condition. And so there's a, a, an important process that everybody needs to go through, which is conditioning and just getting your body used to um, these sorts of things again. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if you throw yourself into high intensity exercise too soon, then yeah, you, you are, without this condition, you're, you are running the risk of uh, injuring yourself uh, a little bit. Um, more than you might do if you were in good condition. So uh, this is why the diagnostics to do at the beginning of something like this are really useful because you can set things up based on um, what someone's current state of fitness is. Mm -hmm. So you don't over don't have to overcook them. But um, what you will find that you're able to do is um, once you kind of get them going a little bit, then you can start to introduce the, the higher intensity type stuff. But again, as you've already alluded to, also just doing high intensity means that we're probably neglecting other areas like uh, our aerobic base endurance type um, uh, fitness qualities as well too. So uh, a good variety type exercise program approach is the is in most cases the best for maintaining your function as a person or improving it, therefore, and um, also improving your health risk profile. Mm -hmm. All of my clients like the phrase, I want to be the best version of myself. So understanding what yourself is and what it's made of will determine where you are now and we can create a plan of where you're going to be. Yeah. When it comes to the CPEX, though, the other thing is um, I get referrals from, I work with some cardiologists who okay. need their patients to lose uh, body weight and body fat before they go for an operation. Mm -hmm. So, but this test gives you a lot of data that would be useful for that application. So tell us the, the cardiac output and that the... That sort of stuff. Sure. Well, well, our test, like I said, it serves as this really good objective measurement of your cardiovascular fitness. So we can put a number on your fitness and uh, we can describe how it works as well, too, and be a little bit more prescriptive with your exercise. But before uh, it really serves that purpose, because we use exercise to apply stress to your heart and your lungs, we can check and make sure that um, everything is normal with them to start with. Uh, so when we get referrals from cardiology, 
uh, or respiratory physician, we're just, a lot of times, we're just uh, having a very good look at uh, the heart uh, and or the lungs at the same time to make sure that that everything is okay. Um, What uh, this does is it means that, yeah, sure, we get to look at some of these really interesting cardiovascular dynamics, like how much blood is being pumped out of the heart and how big it uh, is, uh, the volumes that it's able to achieve when it's doing these sorts of things. It, we can measure all of this, these, this dynamic function of your, of your heart and lungs to make sure that, it, that everything is okay. Yeah, perfect. And for those of you who are listening to this who are, have got over 50% of body fat and they need to lose quite a lot, you know, doing high intensity doesn't mean having to endure a 60-minute class you can do five minutes and 10 minutes of high intensity in your home throughout the day. And actually, the release of dopamine in your head, and you'll feel a lot better. And the antidepressants that you might be on might get the endorphins going. And the antidepressants that you might be on will no longer have the relevance, maybe, in four months' time. And if we have better systems in place of how to keep ourselves happy, healthy, lean, and, and uh, you know, loving life. And I always often say, sometimes when you're feeling low and depressed and you're on these medications, that the opposite of that is, is really to really embrace life and look at your body and think, I want to look after you. And having these markers and seeing yourself progress is actually very motivating and yep. very life-affirming. Yeah, definitely. We do. I mean, this is the nice thing about this testing like this is, is yeah, we... When we repeat testing, we have objective markers, and when we see change and we see improvement, we yeah. actually we really get to see the improvement. Yeah. And we can tell you, you know, that your exercise capacity has improved by thirty percent, or forty percent, or fifty percent, or sometimes you'll even see people they'll they'll be able to double their you know exercise capacity compared to what they did when they first came and didn't have a, a an exercise program, or yeah. didn't have structure to anything, and then just by adding a little bit of structure, educating them and, and help and teach them um, how their body works and um, what they can do uh, to take advantage of that in order to, to get to their goals is a really good uh, uh, and very rewarding um, experience for me, at least. It is. To take someone who's never exercised before to finally see themselves as an athlete and give them such markers yeah. is just rewarding. Yeah. It is, definitely. Great. So how can we get booked in? What's the best way of getting in touch with you to book in for a CPEX test? Well, we, um, I mean, we're, our office is open from uh, essentially uh, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., uh, Monday to Friday, uh, although we do close uh, at 6 p.m. on Fridays. Uh, our office number, uh, you can ring up. As, uh, our front of house is, is manned uh, by our <clears throat> lovely appointments team. And you can uh, call us up. Uh, our number is 207 637 Or you can email us on info at chhp.com. And um, you can ask for more information about what we do uh, uh, and uh, book appointments if, you, if you'd like to as well. Too. Jim, thank you so much for coming on to the show. You've been absolutely outstanding. And yeah, so Jim Pate, thank you so much from the Centre for Health and Human Performance, 76 Harley Street, chhp.com. I've been Stephanie Webster for the urbanhealthmethod.com, keeping busy people healthy.